1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. A few Sunday mornings ago, we started a new Sunday morning series on four things we must confess. And when we deal with any topic, but when we deal with the topic like faith or prayer, confession, healing, don't tune us out, don't say, I've heard that. We're walking in greater revelation every year. And the Bible tells us that it is the little foxes that spoil the vines. Oftentimes, when we're not walking in the blessing or the victory that God has for us, it's not some major thing we're missing it on. It's something simple. It's something basic, like our confession. And over the course of the past few weeks, we've learned that the seed is the Word of God, and the soil is your heart and your life. And we're to sow the seed of the Word of God into our heart, into our life, and one way we do that is with our confession, by our saying what the Word of God says. Now, over the past few weeks, I've given you four basic steps to make God's Word come to pass in your life and in your circumstances. And these are those four steps. First, decide what you want from God and find two to three scriptures that cover your case, whatever it is you're believing God for. Second, according to Mark eleven twenty four. Ask God for the things you desire and then believe you receive. Ask once in faith and then from that point forward, believe you receive. Third, let your every thought and desire affirm that you have what you have asked for. The Bible tells us that when we pray, he hears us, he answers us. Now you may not feel like you've been answered, but he's heard you, he's answered you, the answer's on the way, and that's why you're to believe you receive until you have the manifestation. And fourth, confess constantly the promises from God's Word that cover your case. And again, sometimes you might think, well, I've, I've got the victory, I've got that under my belt, but there are times when we have to revisit something and to enforce the victory we have. And with all the technology, there's no excuses, amen. We do, we do our best to make things available in the cafe to help get you started. Pastor's got the book of prayer. Pastor's also got the confession booklet. 
That'll get you started on some basics and basic areas of your life, like your health, your family, your finances. But you might have to go beyond that and uh, get online, do some Googling, open up your Bible, go to the concordance in the back, and uh, find the scriptures that cover your case. We're dealing with four things we must confess. And the first thing we must confess is who we are in Christ. Say, who I am. And this is contrary to the culture. This is contrary to what the world is saying. This is contrary to much of the church culture in America. And that is who we are in Christ according to the word of God. And according to God's word, you are everything God says you are, regardless of whether or not you are presently experiencing his word in every area of your life. His word is true. And it is our job to line our lives up with his word. His word is true. And so if your life and your circumstances don't line up with the word of God, the problem is not with God. The problem is with you or with me, with what we're saying or not saying, with what we're doing or not doing. So you got to take responsibility for your life and line up your life, your actions, and your confession with what the word says. And to live a victorious Christian life, you've got to know and live like who you are in Christ. So the first thing we're learning that we must confess is who we are in Christ. Say, who I am in Christ. And we've dealt with how this is true regardless of how you feel. We walk by faith. We walk by the word of God, not by sight, not by our senses, not by our flesh, not by how we feel who you are in Christ. And we've learned, number one, under who we are in Christ. Number one, we are new creation. Say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that's what the word says. So it is true regardless of how you feel. Amen? There was a point in your life where you prayed the prayer, you repented of your sins, you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you confessed with your mouth, you believed in your heart, you were born again born of the Spirit of God. You are a child of God, a son or daughter of God. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And there might be a challenge. There might be a difficulty. There might be a day where there's some negative news and you have to choose then to say what the Word says. But regardless of how you feel, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've given you 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone, say anyone, so the Bible says it again and again. Jesus said it. Paul said it. Whosoever will, anyone. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Say, in my life, the old has gone and the new has come. And we've dealt with that. And this testimony I read today is a great example of that. As you walk with the Lord, the old will fall right off. But you got to be willing to give up the old. you got to be willing to give up that old man or that old woman and to stop carrying them around with you everywhere you go. you got to be willing to give up the things from the past life that are holding you back from walking in the blessing and the victory that God has for you. So say it again. Say, I am a new creation. Say, I have been washed. I have been sanctified. I have been justified. Say, I have new life in Christ. So that's number one 
under who we are in Christ. We are new creations. Number two, we've learned we are complete in Jesus. Paul wrote in Colossians 2, beginning in verse 9, For in him, that's in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are, say, I am. I say, I am complete in him. Paul writes, verse 10, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So say it again. Say, I am complete in Jesus. And as we learn to be complete means to be whole, to lack nothing, to lack nothing, not in any area of life. I said last Sunday, I said during the Holy Week revival, when we have the Holy Spirit, when we're born again, and we have the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead in us, we have Him. So we have everything we need. We are whole. We are complete. We lack nothing. So you got to give up any low self-esteem. You got to give up any inferior inferiority complex. You got to begin to believe about your life, what the Word of God says. And maybe you've had people in your life who've told you who you aren't. They've told you what you can't do, and they, they talk down to you. You gotta, gotta be willing to give up the old. Gotta be willing to filter that out and tune that out. You know, there's the technology is amazing. You can, uh, on your phone, you can go to where they've called you or texted you, and you can block that number. You, you can tune, you can choose to filter what you're hearing, to filter what you're listening to. So regardless of what anyone might say to you, you are whole, you are complete in Christ. So you got to believe in God. And then you have to believe in his word, but you also need to believe in you and who you are in Christ Jesus. Teal Osborne once said to us that it's easy to get people to believe in God. The greater challenge is to get people to believe in themselves. And a lot of times it's because we've heard from family members, we've heard from the wrong voices, we've heard from the world who we aren't and what we can't do. But in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation and you are complete. Say, I am complete in Him. So you got to picture your life that way. You got to envision your life that way as who you are in Christ and then talk and think and act accordingly. Say, I am complete. And Jesus. So if you are complete, you're not lacking anything. And maybe there are things you're believing God to add to your life, but it doesn't change the fact that in Christ you're whole and you're complete. And when it comes to young people and dating and marriage, sometimes we'll see a young person and they're believing God, but then they, they reach a point and maybe it's because they get to a, a certain age or maybe it's because all or most of their friends have been married and then they, they begin to compromise and then they begin to, to set aside everything that they're believing God for and they begin to date unbelievers or they begin to date worldly people. Well, to even do that implies that there is something missing from your life. But you got to see yourself the way the Word of God says you are in Christ. You are whole. You are complete in Him. You are not lacking anything. And you got to let your Heavenly Father add to your life what is Need it. Say, I am whole. I am whole. Say, I am complete, I am complete. In, Jesus. in Jesus. Number three, under who we are in Christ, we are qualified to inherit the kingdom. Say, I am qualified, I am qualified. 
now, now maybe there's been a time in your life where you uh, applied for something, maybe to go to school somewhere or to do something. Maybe you went to look at a car and you filled out the paperwork or maybe you looked to rent a place or buy a place and so you filled out the paperwork and uh, they told you you weren't qualified. Well, I have good news. In Christ Jesus, we are qualified. We are qualified for everything and every blessing our Heavenly Father has for us. Colossians 1, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has, say he has, which means it's done. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Say, I have been qualified. Say, I have been rescued. So you got to act like it. You got to talk like it. You got to live like it. If you have been qualified and rescued, you're you're not trying to become something. You are that something in Christ Jesus. If you have been qualified, you're not trying to be qualified. You have been qualified in Christ Jesus. And if you have been rescued from the dominion of darkness, you're not trying to get free. You are free in Christ Jesus. So you got to be willing to walk in all that Christ Jesus has done for you, regardless of how you feel. Amen? Regardless of what so-and-so might be saying to you. So you got you to know who you are. So stop saying you have this problem or that problem. Stop saying you have this addiction or that addiction. Stop saying things like, well, my great-grandma had this, my grandma had this, my mother had this, so I've got this. Stop confessing all those negative things. You have been qualified in Christ, and you have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. And the deeds of darkness have no hold on the children of light. You might say, well, Austin, I know this believer. I know that believer. And that they struggle with all these things that are the darkness. That's why John said that we are to walk in the light as he's in the light. If you're not walking in darkness, you're not going to stumble in the darkness. See, why do people stumble? Why do they get into this or that? Why are they struggling with this or that year after year? They're not walking in the light as He's in the light. You got to be willing to give it up. Tell your neighbor, say, give it up. Tell your other neighbor, say, give it up. And either last Sunday or Wednesday night I mentioned, you got to be willing to walk in the light in every area of your life with the technology, with what you're watching, with what you're listening to. And Wednesday night, if you're, you're a parent, if you have a home, you have a family, you got you to gotta enforce the light in your home and in your family. And you got to drive out the darkness. Amen. Amen. And the world is crazy. So just ignore what the world's doing. You know, when I was a student in college, if my father, even though, and I I think early on, it's been been a while now. Amen. Don't want to be negative. It's been a while. But I think there came a point where half was covered. But anyway, if my father had called and said, I want to know my son's grades, they, they wouldn't have, even though he was paying the bills, writing the checks, they, they would not have told him my grades. Even though I'm a young person, even though he's paying the bills. See, that, that's all the crazy the world's doing, but, but don't operate that way in your home and in your family. Well, that, that, that's their private room, and I can't go in there. Nonsense. Well, that, that, that's their iPhone, 
and I, you know, free will and free choice, and I, I can't tell them what they, they, they can or can't do on their own. Who's paying the bill? Who went to the store or who shopped online? Who bought it? Who's paying for it? You got to decide that you're not going to allow any of the darkness in your life, in your family, in your home, in anything that belongs to you. You got to drive it out because you have been qualified and you have been rescued. Say, I have been rescued. So watch what you say. And in your life, stop speaking failure and worry and lack and not enough. Stop speaking sickness and disease. You know, it is amazing how every single day, and there was some point maybe in March or April last year on, on Facebook, I, I set it so I would see, you know, the news from local news and national news just so I could, you know, be informed and stay up to date. But I, I got to take the time this week and turn all of that off now. I mean, it is amazing how every day they're trying to scare the hell out of people. You know, I think this morning I, I saw a notification that a nearby university has detected the, the Brazil variant. <laughs> That's what the world's doing. But we're going to get to, I'm getting ahead of myself, we're, we're redeemed from the curse that's at work in the world. And so whatever the world's doing, whatever the world is subject to, that is not true of us in our walk with God. Amen? So you got to stop speaking and saying whatever the world's doing. Because the world is confessing sickness and death and fear and worry and panic and anxiety 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can't do that in your life. So stop speaking death to your life and to your circumstances. Amen? Instead, say what the Word of God says about your life and about your circumstances. Say what the Word of God says about your health and your physical body. Say what the Word of God says about your finances. Say what the Word of God says about your marriage and your family and your children. Say it again. Say, I am qualified. Say it again. Say, I have been rescued. Now, number four, we're getting to new ground. Number four, under who we are in Christ, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Say, I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Turn over to Galatians 3, beginning in verse 13. Galatians 3, beginning in verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us. Why? Paul gives us the answer. He redeemed us in order that the blessing, say the blessing. Say it again, say the blessing. Say it again, say, the blessing. You know, we've just got a purpose in our hearts. The world is proud of all their crazy. And they've got days now, they call them pride days, but what they are is they're days where the world is celebrating sin. So we ought not be ashamed of God, we ought not be ashamed of His Word, and we ought not be ashamed of His blessings. And what Paul says here is so important. Christ redeemed us, why? In order that the blessing. Say it again, say the blessing. The blessing. Say it again, say the blessing. blessing. Say it again, say the blessing. blessing. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might, say might. And if you brought your Bible, I'd mark that, I'd highlight that, I'd underline that, might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might, say might again. 
And I'd mark that, I'd highlight that, I'd underline that, so that by faith we might receive the promises of the Spirit. All of the good and wonderful things of God are available to us. But God is not going to make you walk in His blessings. You have a part to play. And just as whosoever will is true when it comes to salvation, that is true of every other blessing and benefit of God. It's true of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's true of the healing power of God. It's true of the blessing of God in your family and in your finances. We have a part to play. Tell your neighbor, say, I have a part to play. Tell your other neighbor, say, you have a part to play. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And notice, like everything else we have looked at, this is past tense. The action has taken place. It is finished. Now, light and darkness cannot occupy the same place at the same time. And that's true of the blessing and the curse. The blessing and the curse cannot occupy the same space or the same life at the same time. Someone is either cursed or they're blessed. And praise God, in Christ Jesus we are blessed. Say, I am blessed. Amen. Say, I am blessed Amen. like my father Abraham. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to who? The Gentiles, that's you and me, so that we might. Say mites. So you are a part of the family of God. You're in Christ. Christ is in you. Say, I am blessed. blessed. Say it again. Say, I am blessed. blessed. And see, notice what's gone on in the world. People are proud of this wickedness. They're proud of that wickedness. And uh, they, they boast about it. They post about it. They, they change their Facebook profile picture to, to brag about it. And meanwhile, we're, we're supposed to be ashamed of and quiet about what is good and righteous and wonderful. And so we're, we're supposed to be ashamed and quiet about and hide the blessings of our wonderful Heavenly Father. Say, I am blessed. Amen. Say it again. Say, I am blessed. Amen. Say, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Now this week, if you want to find out what all Christ has redeemed you from, I would encourage you to read and study and spend some time in Deuteronomy chapter 28, because it will be eye-opening for you to see everything that Jesus paid the price to redeem you from. All the negative things. All the curses in Deuteronomy 28 are things that Jesus paid the price, that Jesus has redeemed you from. They are works of Satan that have no right, no place, no authority in the life of any believer. But if you don't know about them, you won't know all that Christ has redeemed you from. In Deuteronomy 28, you'll see that there are nearly four times as many curses as blessings. And you'll see, going to Galatians 3 and verse 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us from everyone. Say, everyone of those curses. He say, he has. Redeemed me from every single one of those curses. But this begs a question, and that's this. If that's true, why then is the curse at work in the lives of so many believers? If Jesus has redeemed them from the curse of the law. And the answer is they, they open the door to the curse through disobedience and through not being a doer of the word. Deuteronomy 28 verse 15 says, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God 
and do not carefully follow all of his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So it's disobedience that opens the door to the curse. It's doing your own thing that opens the door to the curse. The curse is in the earth because of Adam's sin. And the curse is the default. Losing is the default. Being messed up is the default. Being bound and addicted is the default. Poverty and lack and not enough, that is the default. Sickness, disease, getting this variant and that variant and every variant the media is talking about, that is the curse. And the curse is in the earth because of Adam's sin. And the curse is the default. And the curse is the default for the world. The curse is the default for children of darkness, but the curse should not be the default or the norm for the children of God. Why? Because Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. But if you want to be protected from the curse, you got to walk in obedience with Almighty God. And you got to live life His way in every area. Deuteronomy 28, verse 16. And here the Lord's telling them what will happen if they don't obey. You'll be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your land, the calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. And that's tough. That is tough. But that is the norm when people don't live life God's way. Verse 61 at the end of the chapter, Deuteronomy 28, 61, the Lord will also bring, and this reveals the, the biases and the prejudices of the translators, because this could just as easily be the Lord will permit or allow to come upon you. See, the curse is in the earth because of Adam's sin. The curse is the default. If you don't mow your yard, if you don't fertilize your yard, what happens? I know it looks beautiful, just like the Tierra Verde golf course down the road. Is, is that the norm? No. The curse is in the earth. And so if you don't water the yard, and if you don't fertilize the yard, and if you don't mow the yard, if you don't edge the yard, it, it begins to look like a jungle. And weeds grow up. You get the big weeds that start to look like little trees. That is the curse. Well, the same thing happens in the lives of people when they don't live life God's way. And they don't obey, and they don't do what the Word says do, there then begin to be signs of the curse. Weeds that become trees. The curse is the default, but the door gets open through sin, through disobedience, through doing things the world's way. So you got to live life God's way. Amen. you got a purpose in your heart to obey, to be a doer of the Word. Like the two men in Matthew 7, the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against both houses. The difference was not the circumstances. The difference was in their foundations. The wise man had the word as his foundation. Jesus said the wise man put his words into practice. As James would say, the wise man was a doer of the word. Many believers have been wrongly taught that the curse is good or the curse is normal, that, that it's normal to have a life that's messed up, that it's normal to have a life full of weeds, that it's normal to have a life that's a train wreck or disaster every time you turn around. That is not normal. That's normal for the curse, but that's not normal for the blessed man or the blessed woman. 
So you got to renew your mind to the Word and look at what the Word says. Or believers have been wrongly taught that the curse is God teaching them something. That is nonsense. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief, who? The thief, the enemy, Satan. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So you got to settle in your heart that the curse is of Satan and the blessing is of God. you got to get that settled in your heart. The curse is of Satan and the blessing is of God. Stop permitting the curse in your life. And you might say, Austin, what's an example of one of the things you see in Deuteronomy 28? Well, one of them specifically mentioned is tumors. A tumor is not the work of Almighty God. A tumor is the curse. A tumor is a part of the curse. A tumor is the work of Satan, the work of the enemy. So if there's a tumor, I don't have to spend 30 seconds trying to decide, is this God or is this the devil? If it's the curse, it ain't God. If it's the curse, it's the devil. And we are to do as Jesus said, we are to drive the works of Satan out. So if it's the curse, we're not to permit it in our lives. So stop permitting the curse. Stop allowing the curse in your life. Stop pacifying the curse in your life. Stop tolerating the curse in your life. A few years ago, I got to a point where I was having trouble with, with my nose, and so I went to have that checked out and found out that it's what they call a, a polyp, and it would get more agitated certain times of the year. And so anyway, I went, and they did the scan and did all this stuff and paid for all that. But then the doctor said, you know, Austin, I could, I could cut that out, but it could come back. And actually, after I cut it out, it can grow back even bigger. Well, you go to Deuteronomy 28, you find out that gross are the curse. And so what I, I've done the last two years is just confess it out of my body. It has no right. It has no place. It has no authority in my body. Amen? Amen. And it doesn't matter that nearly everything died in the winter and that uh, spring is in bloom and spring is really in bloom in 2021. I am fine. I can breathe fine. I can breathe clearly. Amen. The curse has no right, no place, and no authority in my life and in my physical body. It'll do you some good to read through that chapter. Tumors, gross, warts, boils. If it's a boil, it ain't the Lord. But see, this has all been confused. Well, may, maybe it's God trying to teach you. No, it is the curse. And my New Testament tells me that Christ Jesus has redeemed me from the curse of the law. So it has no right, no place, and no authority in my life. Say, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Sickness and disease are curses. And the Bible tells us how to avoid the curse. The Bible tells us how to drive out the curse from our lives. And one way you can do it is with your confession of what the Word says. Say, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Now, one more point for today. Number five, we are heirs of Abraham. Say, I am an heir of Abraham. Who are you? And who am I? I am the redeemed of the Lord. I have standing with God. 
as we sang about in that last song today. I am who God says I am. I am a child of God. I am the redeemed of the Lord, and I say so. That's what I say. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might, say might, come upon my life. See, it's not automatic. You go over, I believe it's in Peter's epistle, one of them, that he talks about the divine promises of God, that we may participate. And why are there so many believers not participating? They're not walking in everything Jesus did. Galatians 3.14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might, say might, receive the promise of the Spirit. So the word might there is here in this passage twice. In order that the blessing might, so that by faith we might. You and I have a part to play. You and I must walk in all that Jesus did for us. And one way we do that is with our confession. He redeemed us in order that the blessing might come to the Gentiles through Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Galatians 3 and verse 7, looking up, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. So Job, now if you're real religious, brace yourself. See, Job is not the father of my faith. There are a lot of people in the Bible, a lot of people I can learn from. I can learn from the good, the bad, the ugly, what they did right, what they did wrong. As Kenneth Hagin used to say, I can eat the watermelon and spit out the seeds. But Abraham is the father of my faith. Abraham is the father of my faith. But you meet some believers, and every time they open their mouth, they're talking about Brother Job. And they've never even read the entire book of Job to find out how the story ends. But Job, despite what I can learn from him, he is not the father of my faith. Abraham is the father of my faith. So that is the example. Understand then that those who believe are children of who? Abraham. Understand then that those who believe are children of who? Abraham. So, so maybe mentally you've had, maybe you've had the wrong mental picture. Maybe you've pictured and envisioned yourself as a child of Job. But you need to picture and envision yourself as a child of Abraham. And Abraham, he was blessed. He was blessed in his life. He was blessed in his health. He was blessed in his physical body. He was blessed in his finances. He was blessed. Say, I am a child of Abraham. Go back to Genesis, you find out that Abraham was a man of faith. He believed God. He was a faith man. He was a covenant man. Paul says in Romans 4.11, he is the father of all who believe. He is the father of all who believe. Say, Abraham is the father of my faith. Say, I am an heir of Abraham. Say, Abraham is the father of my faith. Romans 4, beginning in verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. So praise God, that's all. That's you and me. That's everybody. That's anyone. That's whosoever will. Amen? I remember once my father being so disappointed because an elder, somebody that he respected, somebody that he looked to, uh, a wonderful, gracious man, 
second generation. But over time, people have the tendency to, to shift away from the message that was for once and forever delivered to the saints. And I remember my father talking to this elder. And my father, I could, I could see the disappointment. My father didn't even verbalize it, but I could see it because this elder indicated that, well, you know, God blesses some, God doesn't bless others. The blessings of God are for some, they're not for everyone. No! Look at what Paul writes here in Romans 4, verses 16 through 17. It is by grace, and it is for all. And that includes you, and that includes me, that includes whosoever will. That includes that precious lady who didn't get started with God until the age of 48. It, it means all of us. That, that's good news, amen? That's good news. And that's what enables you to stand on the promises of God's word in faith, with confidence, amen. If you think, well, maybe it's for him or maybe it's for her, but I'm not sure it's for me, you can't pray with confidence. You can't confess with confidence. But when you see that it's for all, then you can pray and confess with confidence. He is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is the Father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Say, I am an heir of Abraham. Say, I am a child of Abraham. Say, Abraham, not Brother Job. Say, Abraham is the father of my faith. They, they understand this in children's church. Abraham is the father of our faith. You know, growing up in children's church, there were no songs about Brother Job. You know, that'd be a pretty depressing children's church service. But in children's church growing up, we sang about Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them. He is the father of our faith, and he is an example unto us. They sing about Father Abraham. They understand it. Paul says, he is the father of us all. Say, Abraham is the father of my faith. So in Christ, we're spiritually connected to Father Abraham, to his faith, and to the blessing that was upon his life. That's why Paul says in Galatians 3 and verse 7, understand then that all who believe are children of Abraham. Abraham lived before Jesus. He lived before Jesus did his work on the cross. Abraham lived before the coming of the Holy Spirit. Abraham was a natural man. Abraham was spiritually dead. So how did God bless Abraham? You got to go back to Genesis and read about how God blessed Abraham and how God blessed him despite his faults and his shortcomings. How God blessed him despite the one time trying to do things in the flesh. How did God bless Abraham? He blessed him materially. He blessed him tangibly. He blessed him physically. He blessed him financially. Now as I say this, Something on my heart for this service is you got to be willing to give up the old. And you go back to Genesis, you read about Abraham's life. God was limited in what he could do in Abraham's life until Abraham separated from Lot. And who, who was Lot? One of those compromisers. Initially, they lived outside of Sodom, but then where was Lot living with his family? In Sodom. And who had Lot allowed his daughters to marry? Men of Sodom. And then when Lot and his family left Sodom, his wife kept looking back. 
that tells you everything you need to know about Lot and about his family. And the blessings of God and what God wanted to do were hindered in Abraham's life until Abraham separated from Lot. So you got to be willing to give up the old. You got to be willing to live the life as the new you in Christ Jesus. As Jesus said, you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. So if you want to walk in the blessing of God, if you want to walk in the victory of God, you got to be willing to give up the old. And that might include old friends and old relationships, hindrances from the past. You got to be willing to give it up. God blessed Abraham materially and tangibly and physically and financially. Look at Galatians 3 and verse 9. So those who have faith are blessed. Say, I am blessed. Those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Say, I am blessed. So when you find out how God blessed Abraham, you will understand why there is so much criticism of the blessing part of the Bible and why there is so much criticism of the blessing part of the gospel. Satan doesn't want you to be blessed. The world doesn't want you to be blessed. But I bring good news. Our Heavenly Father, He wants you to be blessed. And He wants you to be blessed in every area of your life. If you're married, He wants you to be blessed in your marriage. If you have a home, He wants you to be blessed in your home. If you're a parent, He wants you to be blessed in your parenting. He wants your children to be blessed. He wants your teenagers to be blessed. He wants your young adults to be blessed. Amen. If, if they're in their 20s, he wants them to move out and be self-sufficient and be, have their own families. Amen. amen. Uh, I get a bigger amen than that. <laughs> he wants you to be blessed in your physical body. How blessed was Abraham? He, he had Isaac when he was 100 years old. That's blessed. I said, that's blessed. I said, that's blessed. I said, that's blessed. Some of you get that later this week. That's blessed. Amen. God wants you to be blessed in your body in the midst of all this craziness in the world and all this talk about this variant and that variant and two mass or three mass, however many mass. He wants you to be blessed. You know, Abraham would not have walked around wearing a mask. Now, Lot, living in Sodom, he might have put a mask on. But not Abraham, not the man of faith. God, our Heavenly Father, wants you to be blessed in every area of life, just like Abraham. Yes, the blessings of God are spiritual, but they're not just spiritual. The blessings of God are also material and tangible and physical. The blessings of God can be seen. The blessing and the wealth and provision of God, it's not the covenant, but it is a signpost of the covenant. Good fruit and the material, tangible blessing of God, it is a signpost that you are headed in the right direction. Say, I am an heir of Abraham. Amen. Say, Abraham, Abraham is the father of my faith. Look again at Galatians 3.14. And this might be something to meditate on this week. He redeemed us in order that the blessing. Say it again. Say the blessing. blessing. Say it again. Say the blessing that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Say, Christ redeemed me in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to me, so that by faith I might receive 
and that's the Holy Spirit, but that's also every blessing of God. So number five, under who we are in Christ, we are heirs of Abraham. So we've learned under who we are in Christ. Number one, we are new creations in Christ. Number two, we are complete in Jesus. Number three, we are qualified to inherit the kingdom. Number four, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. And number five, we are heirs of Abraham. And we're just getting started. Amen? Amen. Say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Say, I am complete in Jesus. Say, I am qualified to inherit the kingdom. Say, I have been delivered from Satan's dominion. Say, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Say, I am an heir of Abraham. Amen. And if there's any confusion, just have one of the little ones sing Father Abraham to you. Amen. And in your car this week, turn off uh, talk radio or turn off whatever you've been listening to and uh, listen to Father Abraham all week. And you should have it by next Sunday morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.